you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 27. Twenty-four, excuse me. <laughs> Twenty-four. Proverbs twenty-four. I love how our church is so engaged, you know. You know? That's awesome. So Proverbs twenty-four, verse twenty-seven. Next week. About 100 million people, <clears throat> 100 million people, can you believe it? They're going to stop everything they do on a, just an average Sunday, and they're going to spend some time with family and friends doing what? Watching the Super Bowl. Any of you guys watching the Super Bowl next week? Any parties going on? Anybody going for the 49ers? No? no? Ooh, okay. <laughs> Chiefs, anybody in the room? Ooh, okay, all right, there you go. <laughs> Um, I was looking at the season stats, and I'm not like a huge, I'm not a football fan, but um, I was just getting ready for the message, and it's looking at uh, the scores, and um, it's crazy how close they have been all season long. Uh, the 49ers score an average of 29.9 points per game. Um, the Chiefs, 28.2 points per game. That's pretty close, within two points. 49ers covered 381.1 yards per game. The Chiefs, uh, 379.2. Again, that's pretty close within a couple of yards. Um, and then the 49ers had about 19.4 points that the opposite, on average, the opposite team scored against them, and the Chiefs had 19.3. So isn't that crazy? How close? You know, you play a whole season, and it's just like within a... You know, 19.4 and then 19.3, that's just, to me, it's insane. Um, but it kind of lends itself to, um, for the, the, the topic that I want to talk about today, because in a world where, where there, there, there's so much competition, right? Not just in the world of sports, but life, in your career, uh, and, and just to kind of in any, any area of life, um, in order to make it to the championship, in order to succeed, you have to have a game plan. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about having a game plan. It's not just uh, in the game of football. I think it's also in the game of life. And I think it's, uh, it is the same way in, the game, in church. And um, you've probably heard the saying, failing to plan is planning to what? You, you know it? Failing to plan is planning to fail. fail. Yeah. And um, so I want to talk to you about um, having a game plan, plan for your life, okay? Do you have a game plan for your life? And not just life as in just your just life overall, but do you have a, a game plan for the way you're going to parent your kids? Do you have a game plan for how you're going to handle your finances? Do you have a game plan for your career? I mean, you can, you can, you can extend that to so many different things. In, in Proverbs 24, if you read the whole chapter, it's a great chapter. God gives us so much advice. It's almost like every verse, God is speaking truth to, to you and to me. It's, I, I call it um, nuggets of truth, okay? It's just like, it is packed. Every, every verse, you could take it and you could study it for a week, for a month. And it's just incredible. Just, there's so much wisdom. And uh, one of the things that I've done in the past when I 
didn't know what to do as far as devotions. I've taken the book of Proverbs. It's got 20, um, 31 chapters, and I've taken each day of the month, and I've read a chapter, and that's been a, a huge help for me. It's, it's like pure manna from heaven. Like even We're not going to be looking at this, but like verse 1 and 2, don't envy evil people or desire their company for their hearts plot violence and their words always stir up trouble. Don't envy evil people. Don't envy their, their company. Sometimes there are people in your life that you don't need to be with. You don't need to hang out with. And, and God's word is so, there's so much truth for their hearts plot violence and their words always stir up trouble. I'm sure all of us know um, that person that, man, anytime you want to hang out with them, you've been friends, but they're no good for you. Uh, verse 14, know that wisdom is like honey for you. If you find it, there's a future hope for you. And it is like that every verse. You know, I could, do a, I could do a whole series on each one of those verses. It is packed with truth from God's word. Today, I want to talk about verse 27. Now, I want you to listen to this verse. And... Um, and I want to unpack it, and I want to see how it applies to our lives. Okay, so verse 27 says this. Put, and it, it may be a little bit like, it may take a little bit of time to kind of figure out, how, like, how do I apply this to my life? How, what, does, what, what is God saying? But I want, to, I want to read it. I'm going to read it a couple of times. And my prayer is that God will speak to you and that this message will bring a little bit of value to your life today. This is put your outdoor work, put your outdoor work in order. Everybody say order. Order. And get your fields ready. Okay? Put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. Okay, what in the world is God talking about? Put your outdoor work in order. Get your fields ready. After that... You can build your house. Well, you have to remember, you have to put yourself within the context of when this was written, okay? So this culture at this time, when this was written, agriculture was a big deal, right? Like that was your primary way of sustaining your family, okay? And so I think what God is saying in a very simple way is he's saying secure first what you, what you need to do in life. You need to secure by diligent work and planning a good living in your fields, then you can, you can build. In other words, it's almost like he's saying, provide a financial base so that all the necessities and all the contingencies are secured, and then you can move from tents, which was acceptable in that day and age, and you can move to a house, which was desirable. Let me read it again. Maybe it'll help you understand it a little bit more. Put your outdoor work, remember, Agricultural, economics, okay, that's the primary way of sustaining your family. Put your outdoor work in order. Get your fields ready. After that, you can build your house. To me, when I read that, as I unpack and as I was praying, what I wanted to share with you, it's almost like God is saying, make sure you have a game plan. Make sure you have a game plan. Let's pray. Father God, I just ask that for the next few minutes that you would speak through me, Lord. And I, uh, Lord, I just, in all of my insecurities, in all of my, um, you, know, you know how I feel, and the headache, and all of the junk, 
God, I pray that you just remove me out of this picture right now for a moment and, and that we would focus on you. God, thank you for the worship that we just had. Just thank you for how you usher us into your throne. And God, I pray that this would be a productive message. God, I pray that this would be a time when we reflect on some things that we're doing in our lives, God. I pray that you would um, give us some action points so that we can be better followers of the way. God, we love you. Thank you for your word. We thank you for even the one verse that you left in Proverbs for us. And we believe that it is practical. We believe that we can, we can learn from it and we can be better off because of it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you know, Jesus, um, throughout his ministry here on earth, like, would often talk about having a game plan, right? Like, he would say, what king would... Um, knowing that there's another king that's coming to war against him, would not sit down first and consider the cost. What king would not sit down first? Like if you know there's another guy that's coming, what king would not sit down and figure out if with the 10,000 soldiers or the 10,000 people that you have, find out if you can overcome the other guy that's bringing 20,000? And he talks about, he may have not mentioned the word game plan, right? But he knew and he taught a lot about, like if you're building a tower, don't build a foundation without knowing if you can finish the tower. And so he would often talk to you and talk to me and his disciples and he would say, make sure that you have a game plan. Because if you don't have a game plan, like that guy that's sitting down and figuring it out, okay, we have 20 or we have 10, excuse me, that guy that's coming, they have, they have 20, you know, like they, we can't do that. He'd say, he would, like, we better send someone. We better send, we better send a, a delegation and ask for conditions of peace because there's no way, while the, that other guy is away, we're going to send someone to talk to him and see if we can work things out. And that's the benefit of having a game plan. The question for you today is, do you have one? Do you have one? Because to live your life in any other way is foolish. Do you have a game plan for the way you discipline your kids? You don't have to raise your hand. One of the greatest things, if Leah, I think she's in kids serving today, but one of the greatest things that Leah and I did for our kids is we had a game plan. It was simple. It wasn't complicated. It was very simple. But we knew from day one how we were going to discipline our kids. And we were on the same page. And I can honestly say the reason why we have great kids, and I can brag on them, I'm so proud of my kids. They all serve. They all love Jesus. I mean, they're not perfect, but they, they, you know, they, 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 they show up to our life group. Then I don't have to tell them that they have to be here. I don't have to fight with, for them, with them to, be, to come to church. They love serving. They love serving. Okay? And one of the reasons why I can say, man, we have awesome kids. They know how to behave in front of other people. They know how to, you know, you fill in the blank. It's because from day one, Leah and I said, there's three things we're going to do with them. Okay, and, and we're going to be consistent, and it may not be the way to train every child, but this is the way we're going, and we had a game plan. Do you have one? Do you have one? When it comes to your finances, do you have a game plan? When it comes to your relationship, do you have a game plan? Because the truth is, you know what most people say when you ask them, what do you want to do with your life? You know what most people say? What do you think people say? 
when you ask them, I just want to, I just want to help people, or, or I don't know, right? But, but most, like 99% of, of, like if we took, if we, if we like ask everybody here privately, right? Most people, what they would say is, I just want to help people. Great, that's fantastic, but how do you want to help them? Like, what, what's the game plan? Do you want to help them physically? You know, you want to help get in shape? You want to help them psychologically, like emotionally? Do you want to help them spiritually? Do you want to help them at the beginning of their, of their life? Do you, want to, do you want to help them at the end? Do you want to help them, like how? Do you want to provide a service to them? Do you want to sell something to them? Do you want to listen to them? Do you want to coach them? How do you want to help people? Do you want to help them in their marriage? Do you want to help them in their, like when they're in their addictions? Do you want to help them parent better? Do you want to help them? Do you want to feed them? Do you want to provide legal advice? Do you want to provide medical? I mean, there's so many ways you can help people, right? Do you have a game plan for your life? I want to share with you three benefits why it is important to have a game plan. This is, I don't always say this, but this is, if you're taking, if you're a note taker, this is one of those messages that I think that you need to take some notes. It's going to help you. It's going to help you retain the information. And so you're already here. I applaud you for being here. And so most of what, you, what, what I say this morning, you're going to forget, okay? And so, but if you write it down, it's going to help you retain the information, okay? And my hope is that you would leave this place and you would write some things down because I can't give you your game plan. Okay, you, you have to, this is something that it will take work, you have to do on your own, but I promise you, I promise you, somebody challenged me when I was, I think I was 18, to do this, and I came up with a game plan, and I can, I can honestly, in humility, say, I have a great life, I have an incredible spouse, I have incredible kids, God's been so gracious to me, and I, I have more than I do, I have a great church, but one of, and, and, and I attribute mo- most of what I have to, to God's grace, but one of the things that I can tell you this morning is, one of the reasons is because from a very early age, I knew what God wanted for me, for my life, and I had a little bit of a game plan. Now, you always have to, you always have to say, okay, Lord, this is what I've come up, and I'll show you here at the end. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, my life is it's yours, okay? And so you need to, I encourage you to take some good notes. It's going to help you. Uh, remember better. So number one, one of the benefits is that it causes you to evaluate what you have. When you have a game plan, then you understand the strength of the team. Whether it's your family, whether it's a team at work, whether it's, um, whether it's even yourself, when you have a game plan, you figure out, okay, these are my strengths. This is, this is what I do good. This is what I'm not good. Part of life is being self-aware. Part, part of being successful in life is knowing, okay, this is who I am, this is who I'm not. And so if you have a team that's exceptional, I mean, that has an exceptional running quarterback, that team should not attempt to develop a passing attack offense, right? That, that would be kind of against the natural strength of the team. And one of the things that I've been teaching our DLT, our directional leadership team, is to play to their strengths. We have about 10, 11 people, volunteers, some of them are part-time at the church to help me lead the church. And, I, and we have something called Team Advance, and um, it's basically we get together and we figure out, okay, what are we doing um, at the church, and, and you know, we, we look to the future, and I cast a little bit of vision, and I try to help them, give them a little bit of leadership, and one of the things that I tell our team is, is this, the enemy wants you to, you know, like, we, our culture, it's so funny, 
Our culture tells us that we need to focus on the things that we're not good at. Okay, let me give you an example so you kind of understand what I'm saying. So a kid comes home and brings his report card. Remember those days? You bring your report card home and they bring, uh, let's say, three A's, two B's, and one D. What's the natural tendency for the parents? When they look at the report card and they see three A's, two B's, and one D, what, do the, what does the parent say? What goes through their mind? You know, the kid has three A's, two B's, and one D. Where, where do our eyes immediately go to? The D, right? And it's immediate, right? We, what, what do we think? Like, oh, man, we got to get you some tutor. We got we to gotta, you know, pour more time into this. Like, we got to help you bring that grade up. That's what we naturally do because we got to be well-rounded people. Okay? Right? One of the things that I'm teaching my team is play to your strengths. You have some gifts. You, there are some things you're not good at. Now, I, I want to say this, okay? So make sure you listen to me carefully. I'm not saying that you're going to ignore your weaknesses. I'm not saying that, okay? I'm not saying ignore the D, okay? That's not what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Write this down if you're taking notes. Your greatest opportunity for growth is in your strengths, okay? So don't, okay, so turn to 1 Peter. First, you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. It'll be on the screen, but I want you to look at it in your own Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm going to read a couple of verses, verse 10 and 11. We'll start there, okay? Your greatest opportunity for growth is in your strength. Do you know what those strengths are? So 1 Peter 4, verse 10, this is what it says. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, God has given each of you a gift. Say gift. All of us, okay? You may not know what your gift is, but God has given you. If you're in Christ, the Bible says, this is his promise to you. God has given, is not Alex coming up with this, God has given each of you a gift from a great variety of spiritual gifts. Then watch what he says. He says, use them, what's the next word? Use them what? Well. well, to serve one another. God doesn't say, go find your gift, the gifts that you don't have, and then focus on those. Because it would be really good for you to be a well-rounded person. Like, he doesn't say that, right? He says, find the gift. Discover what you're good at, develop them, sharpen them, use them well. Use them with all you got. Now, look, look at the rest of the verse. It says, do you have the gift of speaking? Great. Then speak, watch this, speak as though God, and this is not just, the, this is not just for the preacher, okay? This is for all of us. If you have the gift of speaking, some of you are incredible communicators. I envy some of you guys. Like, we have people on, that get on stage, and they, they, are just, they just have a gift. The words just flow out of, like, I have to practice, you know, 10 hours and what they would do in just minutes. Some of you, you have that gift. You're a great communicator. God says, you have the gift? Then speak, watch this, as though God himself were speaking through you. Gives you another example. He says, do you have the gift of helping others? Some of you, you love to help. You love to serve. That, that fuels you. you love, it's not work for you. When you come to church and you serve, or, or, or wherever it is, you volunteer, wherever, you know, there's a blood drive and you, you're the first one there. You, you're ready to serve. That's your gift. That's what fuels you. God says, you have that gift? You have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength. And all the energy 
that God supplies, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all the glory and power to him forever and ever. So there was a study done in, uh, in Nebraska um, several years ago. There was a, it was a speed reading um, study. Okay, have you ever heard of those? Speed reading. It was a speed reading class. It was three weeks. And they had a group of students. It was kids, children. And they, they categorized them into three groups. So you have some of the children, they were, um, they were a little bit of a slower reader. I probably would have been in that category. Anybody with me? Slow readers in the house? Whoop, whoop. All right. I'm not the only one here. So, so they put all the, three, all the kids, okay, it was a big group, and they categorized them. Before they put them through the class, there was a group that was slow, there was a group that was average, and there was a group that was like, man, they were, they're the fast readers. I mean, they're like, we don't know if they're going to get any better. They're just fast readers, okay? Put them all through the same course, three weeks. All of them got faster, every single one of them. In fact, the slower, the ones that came in reading, and I can't remember the number of words per minute, but the ones that came in, you know, that were a little bit behind the rest, they improved 67%, 67%. They came in reading at this level, and they improved in three weeks, and they were like, they were blown away. They could not believe it. I mean, that is incredible. I mean, what the brain can do, like what, what, what your brain can do, you know, sometimes we put limitations to what we can do. Now, what they did not, what surprised them, I should say, is how the kids that came in reading at a, at a high level, how they did. So I asked our DLT when I was telling them this, this story, I said, how fast do you think the kids that were already fast readers, how fast do you think, how much more do you think they improved? And, and the team said, um, somebody said like 5%. I mean, they were already, they came in reading, like really, they were already there. I mean, like how much faster do you think they could have gotten? They said, somebody said 15%. And then someone in the room said like 70%. You know, like everybody else like, yeah, right. Like, like most people say like a lower, you know how, how, much, how much faster the ones that came in already reading fast, fast you know how much faster they got? How much faster? Just give me a number. 100%. Somebody said zero in the back. 729%. Yeah. So here, here's what I'm asking. Here's a question I'm asking you. Here's a question I'm asking you. What would happen if instead of trying to focus on the areas that we're not naturally good at, what would happen if we focus on the areas that we're really good at? It's not that, again, let me say it again, I'm not asking you to ignore your weaknesses, but as a culture, what we often do is we just focus on what we're not, in the areas that we're not doing so good. And so if it's your kids, what would happen if you ask, man, what are they good at? What are, what are my kids, and maybe, maybe they're good and like they love to bake, maybe they look, they're good with drama. Maybe they're good with, I don't know, they play a particular instrument, and you don't really care for that instrument because you're more into, you know, sports. But what if you, as a parent, rather than pushing your way into your kid, right? Because, you know, for example, I, I love anything that has to do with adventure. But what if one of my kids doesn't really like adventure? But as a dad, I want them to be me. I want to live my life through them, right? And I push that on them. What would happen if my perspective would change and I'd say, you know what, rather than doing that, 
I'm going to propel them. I'm going to encourage them in the areas that they're already good at. What would happen if you asked the question, what, what are the areas that I'm already good at, that I'm already strong in? You know, Abraham, Abraham Lincoln said this, whatever you are, be a good one. I love that. You know, so much wisdom. Whatever you are, focus on that. Be a good one. So when you have a game plan, it causes you to be a little bit strategic. And it causes you to, number one, evaluate what you have, the, the players you have on your team, the strength that you have in your life. Number two, write this down. When you have a game plan, it rallies the team around a specific vision. Specific is the word there. It rallies the team around a specific vision. I want to show you how Jesus did this. Jesus was so strategic, okay? He didn't change the world just because he was the son of God. No, no, no. Like he was an incredible leader, okay? And I want you to see this in Matthew. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. I'll wait for you guys to do that. Matthew chapter 10. So Jesus is coming up with his dream team. How many did he come up with? The 12, right? We call them the 12 what? 12 disciples. He's going to change the world through them. And he empowers them. Matthew chapter 10, you read the first few verses. He's going to tell them, look, you can speak on my behalf. Whatever you say, it's as if I said it. Okay, he gives them the power. He gives them authority. To drive out impure spirits. He gives the disciples authority to, to heal the sick, okay? So he's doing what any great leader does. He's empowering his, his people. And he's saying, I believe in you. I know you're messed up. I know you're screwed up. But you've got, you got what it takes. God can use you. And then, in chapter 10, there's a crowd that's waiting for Jesus. Okay, they were following him all over the place. Jesus was trying to, you know, escape them because at times it was overwhelming. And there was this crowd, the Bible says, they were just waiting to come after him. And from this crowd, there's a man who comes out and runs, goes running after Jesus. And he says, Lord, my son, he has like this issue, like, like this, I am struggling. And in, in verse 10, in verse 10, I want you to see what, what he says to his disciples. He says, these 12 disciples, 12, 12, excuse me, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Don't lose this, okay? Listen to how Jesus, how specific he was. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter, enter any towns, any town of the Samaritans. But Jesus, what, what, you know, what about, like, didn't you come to save everybody? No, 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 no. He says, we're going to be specific. I'm going to empower you to speak on my behalf. But for a season, we're going to have a little bit of a game plan. We're going to be very specific. He says, I don't want you to go to the Gentiles. I don't want you to go to the Samaritans. Look in verse, verse 6, what he says. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Look in verse 7. When you see how specific he was. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Like, this is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to go. These are the people that I want you to target. This is, a, this is what I want you to proclaim. This is the message that I want you to give. Verse 9. Watch this. Don't miss it. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or staff for the worker is worth of his keep. 
Verse 11, whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you, until you leave. You see how specific he's being with them? Like he's giving them the, a whole playbook. Saying, this is, what, this is where I want you to go. This is who I want you to talk to. This is what I want you to do. Verse 14, he knew that he was going to face, they were going to face rejection. And he tells his disciples, if anyone does not, does not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home, leave that town, shake the dust of your feet. What's he doing? He's being specific. You know, he's... For, for many of us, the reason why we get ourselves in trouble is because we don't know what we want in life. We want our kids to be good, but we don't know how to, how to train them in the ways of the Lord. You know, we don't know, like we want, our, we want to be financially free, but we don't know what to do to get there. And there's no, there is like we live our lives and we know what we want, but there's no specific instruction. So have you ever been specific in the way that you direct your family, your students, your kids, your spouse, even in your own life? Do you know what, like, yeah, I know God wants, like, gener- like he, this is kind of what I have in mind. But have you ever taken the time to sit down and write down what it is specifically that you want to accomplish in life? Our team, our leadership team, has been, um, for over the last 18 months, we've been coming together and um, we've been having a conversation about our church. And you know the, the overall mission of the church, right? We want to we help people find their way to God, but is that enough? No, no, that's great. That, that is a, the elevator speech. If somebody's going to a second floor and they ask, what's your church about? Hey, we just want to help people, right? That's the, but behind that, there's got to be a little bit more specificity to it, right? They're like, we got to know what we're doing. Like, we want to help people, but how are we going to do that, right? And so over the last 18 months, we've been having a conversation, many conversations. Like, who are we? Because you can do church. There's a thousand different ways to do church. And specifically, the last two Wednesdays, we've gotten together with some of our core uh, volunteers and core owners, and we've had a conversation about who does life look like, who do we, what do we look like five years from today, ten years from today. And if you didn't make it, I know some of you couldn't make it, the, the three main takeaways were this. Number one, kind of putting a little bit of a side, side note here I want to share real quick, our vision is b- bigger than a building. So we've said, look, we, we don't want these walls to limit us because there are people in this community that could potentially never come through those doors. And so we don't want these walls to, like, we believe that church could be so much more than that. Number two, we said we, we want to empower our owners to reach their neighbors in their community. We want to empower you to reach your neighbors. Some of our owners are, are they're driving like 35, 40, 40 minutes away from, from, from this location. And we, may, we think that it's, that's an obstacle for some people to, to come to church. That, that makes it hard. We believe that there are still people that will come. I mean, we have tons of people. They'll drive 35, 45 minutes to make it to church. But we want to remove that obstacle. I believe there will be one day where we'll have satellite campuses. We'll have different locations where people will be able to invite their neighbors to a campus that's a lot closer to them. Right now, we're trying to build the foundation as a church. Right now, we want to focus on this community. 
Right now, we're saying, you know, God, we, our heart desire is to flourish where God has planted us. One of the reasons why we have some songs in Spanish, if you don't know, is because this community, about 40% of the community is Hispanic. And if we as a church, if we don't reflect that, then we're missing the mark somehow. Of, of that 40%, only 8% is actively involved in their faith. So as a church, as a, as a leadership team, we've said, you know what, we're going to put, and you're going to see that a lot more. We just, we've been laying the foundation over the last couple of years. Share the Love is coming up, and uh, you'll hear a little bit more about that. But we want to we flourish where God has planted us. But I do believe that one day, long term, we're going to have satellite campuses all over Tyler. We have people coming from Lindale. We have people coming from Van, from Buller. Right now, we're going to focus on the community. So number one, our vision is bigger than a building. Number two, we want to empower owners to reach their neighbors and their community. Number three, we want to build people, not buildings. I want you, I want you to hear me. Hear my heart. There's churches all over America. They, they, their motto is, build it and they'll come. I don't know. I, I just feel uh, I've done that before. I don't think that's... That's what God is the way leading us. So I want, I'd rather invest in people. And so if we have satellite campuses, we may lease. You know, we may, we may if we have to buy, it'll be very vision-driven. We're not going to buy, like, multi, we're not going to build multi-million dollar buildings with gyms and all these things that people don't use. We want to invest our resources in people. And so we want to build people, not buildings. Behind each one of those points, and I'm trying to cram in a bunch into this this talk, but behind each one of those points, there's hundreds of subpoints, and there's been hundreds, literally hundreds and thousands of conversations. When you have a game plan, you know what you want. You're not ple- you can't please everybody. When you have a game plan, all of a sudden, you're not changing depending on your circumstances. Because that's what happens. You know, something, you know, you're like, okay, Lord, I'm going in this direction, but something bad happens, and then you change, and you become somebody else that you're not. And then you're going in a different direction, and then somebody complains, and then you change again. But when you have a game plan, all of a sudden you know, God, this is what I believe you called me to. And yeah, not everything in life is going to be exactly the way it is, but Lord, with your help, this is where I'm going. And when, when you face obstacles, it helps you stay consistent and help you, helps you be steady. Number one, it causes you to evaluate what you have. Number two, it rallies the team around a specific vision. Last, it prevents a setback from becoming a shutdown. Matthew 17, 17. This is the story I was telling you earlier. This guy that coming to Jesus... He's struggling, and look in verse 16 what it says. So his disciples had already been empowered to heal people, right? They had been empowered to cast demons. They had been empowered to speak on his behalf. And this guy comes. The crowd is waiting for him. and says this, so I, I brought him, my son, who's been, he's been having seizures, and he's been hurting, and, and, and I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't, what? Heal him. That was a huge setback. God had given them the game plan. Jesus had told them exactly what to do, but they failed. Huge setback. Put yourself in their, in their shoes. 
I'm sure this affected their confidence. I'm sure they, that the enemy was playing with their insecurities like he does with you and with me. Ah, oh, you're not enough. Oh, you look at that. You failed. You made a mistake. Oh, look at your life. You're not consistent. Look at what he's talking about. You can't do that. You're no, you're, you're no good. Who do you think you are, right? Imagine the disciples, they get the speech, right, from Jesus. Go. You, you know, and he is specific. And it's point by point. And they have the, the playbook. And they go. And they're winning in some areas. But then they, they meet this guy. And they're trying to help him. They're trying to help his son. And they can't do it. And they pray and they help and they, 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 they do what they can. And, and the guy says, so I brought him to my disciples, but they couldn't help him. Imagine how the disciples felt. We're a bunch of losers, you know. We'll never be like Jesus. We can't do it. We're not enough. Imagine how discouraged he was. And Jesus being the savior that he is, he gets alone with them. He does not embarrass them in front of the crowd. The Bible says that privately he says, hey, let me give you, this is a coaching moment. Let me help you out. What happened? And they're probably talking, right? And it's a conversation. We don't know. We tried everything. And Jesus tells him, you know what you're missing? His faith. He says, if, and then he uses that illustration. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you know, you can tell that mountain move and it'll move because nothing is impossible with God. But here's my point. Here's what I'm trying to say. Every team that hits the field in the game of football will have a setback. Every team, every person is going to have a setback. The other team will, you know, they'll have a big play. They'll have a play. You know, you'll have a player that, that gets a bad injury. But when you have a game plan, all of a sudden, your focus is on what you need to do, not on what has been done to you. You follow me? When you don't have a game plan, all of a sudden, your focus is on, look at my life. You know, you could have 10 wins, but you have one thing that you mess up, and your focus is going to be on that thing. I can have, I can have, we can have 20 hands go up. You know, salvation after salvation, person after person. I can have 10 people tell me, man, great message. That was fantastic. And then one person says, hey, we don't think that this church is for us. And guess what I'll think, what I'll, what I'll spend the rest of my Sunday afternoon doing? I'll be thinking about the one. And the same it is for you. You can have 10 sales. You can help 10 customers. You can have 10 wins with your kids. But it's the one. Right? It's the one that just that consumes us. It's the one that we think about. It's the one that gets us discouraged. It's the one that slows us down. Why? Because the enemy is whispering, you're not, you're not good enough. You don't have what it takes. You know, you did that whole message. It was great, but you messed up in that one part. You're not good. You're not, you know. When you have a game plan, you can, and it, when it's written down, you can go back and you can say, you know what? Look, I've been winning. I've been, I've been doing a thousand things right, and I messed up. I screwed up. Okay, I'm going to readjust. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this. Can we put the quote up? I think, I'm not really sure who this quote came from. I think it was John um, but it's a good coach. We're, I'm going to give him credit anyway. He says this, good coaches have a game plan. Write this down. Good coaches have a game plan. Great coaches have a half-time readjustment. In life, 
If you do have a game plan, go for you, man. Go, I mean, I, I applaud you. But you have to know that just because you have a game plan, it's not the end of the world. You got to learn to readjust. You have to learn to say, okay, Lord, this is what you've given me. This is what you've put in my hands. These are my resources. I'm going to give them back to you. I'm going to do my best. But at the end of the day, if I fail, if I see the doors closing, if things are not going my way, God, I'm going to be wise enough to pivot. I'm going to readjust. And I'm going to continue to seek you. I'm going to continue the good fight. I'm not giving up. And I'm going to deal with the depression. And I'm going to deal with the fight. And I'm going to... But, you know, Winston Churchill, he said it like this. He said, success is going failure into failure without the loss of enthusiasm. Success is going failure to failure without the loss of enthusiasm. I open up with the Proverbs. I want to close with the Proverbs. Proverbs 16, 9. Our team, you guys can get on, on stage. In their hearts, humans plan their what? Say it. In their hearts, humans plan their... Say it one more time. In their hearts, humans plan their... There you go. It's a matter of the heart, okay? There's some things that God tells us in his word. I mean, if you're not praying on a regular basis, that's not something you got to plan. You just, have to, you just have to obey God and pray, right? You know, you know if, if you're struggling in, in your marriage and your words are not God-honoring words, that's not something you have to pray about. God tells you specifically you should honor your spouse with the, with the words that come out of your mouth, right? But God gives us enough freedom for a lot of areas in our lives where he doesn't say specifically what I want from you. And in those areas, you plan. In their hearts, humans plan their course. But the Lord establishes their steps. So I want to ask you, if you would just close your eyes, bow your heads. Oh, man, I had one more. Can you guys look this way real quick? <laughs> Tricked you. <laughs> you thought we were done. I have one more. I'm not going to develop it. I think it is good. I think it'll help you. It'll add value to your life. Write this down. Uh, we just don't have time. Um, when you have a game plan, it takes the emotion out of the decision-making process. Okay? A lot of times the decisions that we make are based on emotion. And uh, I promise you, I mean, I'm a super emotional kind of guy. I'm the guy that, like, when we're watching movies, I'm the one crying. You know, Leah's, like, laugh, laughing at me. You know, and a lot of times ministry can be very emotional. But what I've learned is that when you have a game plan, it helps you, it helps you move through life because it removes the emotional, you know, it takes the emotion out of the decision-making process. All right, you can close your eyes and bow your heads. Like, just, just a simple question as we wrap up. How many of you would say, I have a game plan. I know what it is, whether it has to do with my family, my team, my work. Some of you, you may have a great game plan for your, for your team at work. But, but you, when it comes to home, man, you're failing miserably. You've never even given it a second thought. Some of you may have a great game plan at, at home, but when it comes to work, you're lost. So I'm just curious, how many of you... By raising your hand, you would say, Pastor, I have a game plan. I feel like I'm pretty, yep, yep, I see the hand, I see the hand, I see the hand. That's awesome, man. I applaud you. How many of you would say, you know what? 
there's an area of my life that I need, to, I need to sit down and write some things down. How many of you would say, pray for me, Pastor? Yep, yep, tons of hands going up. This message will fall flat if you don't do what I'm asking you to do next. And that's to seek God on your alone time and write some thoughts down. And say, Lord, you know my heart. You know the good, the ugly, and the holy junk. I believe these are my strengths. I believe this is what I'm good at. It's not pride. It's not, this is where my heart is, Lord. You've given me these gifts. This is where I'm going to submit my will to yours, Lord, but this is where I want to see myself in five years. This is where I want to be in ten years, God. Lord, I'm going to write it down, and by faith, I'm going to believe that you're going to provide a way. If you close the doors or if I face some obstacles, I'm going to readjust. But I will have, I will have a, a game plan. How many of you would say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you pray that God will help me. Would you raise your hand? Yeah. Don't live life without purpose. Don't just walk through life not knowing. Just going from one motion to the next. You've been created for more. You are special. You are loved. God gave his son for you. Holy cow, are you kidding me? <laughs> Father God, we come before you and we receive your word. God, we're going to we're going to put the outdoor work in order. We're going to get the fields ready. And after that, we're going, to, we're going to build a house, God. It's a little bit of work that needs to get done. There's a few things that need to, get, need to be put in order. There's a few things that I'm, we're going to get ready. But God, help us. Help us to build a house in your way, your ways. God, we love you. We thank you for the wisdom that we can obtain from, from your word. Help us. Give us the courage. Give us the boldness. Give us the initiative. Help us to fix our eyes on you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and worship.